DraftKings is not only my favorite sports book, but it's also America's top-rated sports book. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook because it's easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. So listen to this great offer. DraftKings is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right, pick any basketball team that is still in contention, bet $1, and if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. We've been doing our roster in review for these past three episodes. This will now make it four episodes in a complete two weeks, but we're going to finish it off today with a roster in review of the Pittsburgh Penguins goalies. It's a fun episode for us because who doesn't like talking about goaltending in hockey? It's it's a really fun position to discuss, mainly because you can go into more length and more detail because there's not as many of them and because it's just a fun topic for both of us. We love goaltenders. And then of course it is a Thursday episode. So we will finish it off with our shout outs and call outs at the end of the episode. So stay tuned for that. But my name is Nick Berlansky. I'm joined by Nick Horwat as always and goaltending talk. It, it, it's some of your favorite talk too. I know you've loved goaltenders and all of their voodoo for basically as long as you followed the league, obviously with your, Johan Hedberg memorabilia that you have, but why do you enjoy talking about goaltenders as much as we both do? Uh, because you can kind of say whatever you want into the microphone, and if it turns out to be wrong, you have a great out and just say, well, goaltending's voodoo, no one knows anything <laughs> about it. So we can't be proven wrong. Exactly, and that's not actually why uh, <laughs> I love goaltending. It's just, um, it's Brent Johnson put it great, and if anyone remembers the... Uh, 24-7, was that, was that what it was called, HBO? I forget now, I have I think, the DVD. Yeah. But if anyone remembers those documentaries or those little uh, videos up until the 2011 Winter Classic, he called the backup goalie position of all positions the best in all of sports. So, Or most important, I forget what the exact quote was, but he's kind of not wrong. It's, you know, for starters or backups, it's fairly important. I mean, you're the last line of defense, you... You are literally protecting the thing that the puck has to stay out of. I mean, in sport, think about it. Like in sports where um, the object is to get an object, the object of the game is to get the playing thing into a net of sorts. I mean, 
soccer's there. It's got its goalie, but I mean, the net is 80 feet large. And humans are not that big, so it's a little different. Uh, basketball, you don't have just a guy just standing in front of the net. You know, no, it's just Hakeem Olajuwon. Exactly. You could, but it's <laughs> not part of the game. Uh, and football, I mean, football's a little different. It's not really a net, and you also just don't have someone standing at the goalposts, in the goalposts, whenever there's a kick mm-hmm. coming. So it's really the only kind of sport where you're literally in front of the thing, and you got to keep it out. I get this mm-hmm. is a very childish way of looking at it. I just woke up from a nap, so I'm uh, <laughs> going to be getting my bearings for the first little bit here, but we're going to roll right along, and you know, the goaltending is a lot of fun either way. Well, we're going to talk about three different goaltenders in the Penn system and kind of look at the season that they had. We already mentioned a couple episodes ago about Emil Larmy, who was in the Penguin system and is now heading back over to Finland, so we won't talk about him as much. We're going to start off by talking about Maxime Legacé, who did play for the Pittsburgh Penguins this year and their professional roster. He had one game in the NHL, and everybody knows that that was the shutout in the final game of the regular season against the Buffalo Sabres. He is an upcoming UFA, so the Penguins would need to re-sign him. But I would imagine due to... It depends what they do with their top two, but I would imagine that due to the loss of Emil Larmy to Finland, that Legacy is probably going to be asked to be brought back, at the very least, by the Pittsburgh Penguins organization. In the AHL with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins this year, he played in only nine games. He went 4-3-2. and two. But he had a 2.30 goals allowed average and a 9.07 save percentage, which is fairly decent for Legacy. He played pretty well in a very, very tandem-esque situation down there in Wilkes-Barre because they had Larmy playing games. Legacy obviously took nine. Uh, Alex DiRiorio came up and played some games. I believe they also had a fourth goaltender at one point. So really split in time down there in Wilkes-Barre. We'll see if they decide to bring Legacy back again with Larmy being gone. I would imagine that he's at least extended an offer. But, Horat, what are your thoughts on Maxime Legacy? Do you think they should bring him back? Uh, do you think that it doesn't really make a difference because goaltenders that are third or fourth string goaltenders are a dime a dozen? What are your thoughts on this? So, he's an interesting case. He It really, in hindsight and in the grand scheme of things, it probably won't matter too much if they bring him back or if they decide to let him walk because, yeah, I mean, your third string, you're, you can find just, you know, waiting at the bus stop you know it's you can just pick them up anywhere i'm sure um there's an easy replacement for that sort of level but he did prove himself to be somewhat worthy and i mean his story is also i mean if anyone remembers the vegas golden knights inaugural season and their um injury riddled goaltending situation he was one of them he was involved in that and that's where the bulk of his playing days came in in the nhl he played 16 games during that season and that was it for him I mean, he's played two since one of them being that shutout um it's just interesting i could see him be coming back because he does have the nhl experience we know it we've seen that he's able to shut down a buffalo sabers team who probably called it in <laughs> um and he's able to make he's able to stop the puck at some sort of level maybe it's not the greatest but he is your third string backstop and he is just a uh, kind of a nameless gray face for the most part but mm-hmm. you know he's gonna be there and for god's sakes everyone's gonna keep getting him mixed up with uh manny legacy 
I would hope not because Manny Legacy is just a just a touch <laughs> older than Maxime. A touch but older and a touch better. He, yeah, touch better definitely. But the Penguins, I mean, their front office did say they're looking for quote unquote an experienced backup, and we'll get into that a little bit later about who could be in the free agent market or not really even in the trademark, but mostly the free agent market for the Penguins if they're looking to do that. But one last thing with Legacy, I mean, he was the backup for the Pittsburgh Penguins throughout the entirety of the playoffs. We we saw how bad Tristan Jari played, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but Legacy was the next guy up. And the fact that the Penguins didn't once pull Jari at all kind of tells you all you need to know about Legacy. They, they weren't ready, they weren't trusting of him to go in and make a save or, or even finish out a game whenever Jari had already lost basically all his bearing. And they basically said, the worst player, the worst goaltender in the playoffs is still a better option for us than you, Legacy. So that they didn't they didn't feel like putting him in. So if that doesn't tell you that they definitely aren't ready to have him as a two, for sure, they might not even be ready to have him as, as a third stringer. I mean, that's, who, that's what he was this season. Him and Larmy were kind of up for grabs for that third string, but... That showing in the playoffs, the or lack of a showing because they he wasn't given the opportunity, tells me that the Penguins are not quite comfortable with him playing as a backup and in a backup role. So if one of these two guys ahead of him would would have went down, the Penguins would have probably, I would have said probably went for a trade somewhere or or would have tried to do something else other than just leave him as the backup. Yeah, it's it's a little peculiar that they wouldn't have given him a shot, but I don't. It's something weird, I guess. We've seen, or at least so far, what uh, Hextall, I believe Burke, I don't know about Sullivan, have all said is they believe in Jari. They think he can turn it around and be the number one guy next year. I, listen, I. that's a hard boat right now. It is a, it is, that boat is on some rough waters. It. It's hard to take a hard step like a solid stance on it because it's just so up in the air. But when it comes to that playoff game, it's maybe they really did believe Jari could shut it down, which to be fair, he kind of did. It's just his offense couldn't score. But again, they were playing against a New York Islanders team that wasn't going to let them get an opportunity. I'm talking that third period specifically. I'm not talking that game. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, apparently the, Everyone's got faith in Jari, and I never really put it in the perspective of for Legacy that because he wasn't playing in that game, they're already done with him. I don't see that necessarily, but you could be right, and it's just I mean we'll see. How Not the that ball they're rolls. done with him, just that they don't trust him yeah, yet to yeah, be a yeah, backup. That's kind of what I was getting at, but yeah, I guess we'll just have to see how the how the ball rolls. But he's a guy, like I said, you can find that replacement anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, um, some beer leagues might have better goalies than that, but it just depends. Now let's move over to Casey DeSmith, somebody who was the Pittsburgh Penguins backup and at points this year proved to be a 1B starter for the Pittsburgh Penguins when Jari was struggling. And that's Casey DeSmith. He has one year left on his current deal at $1.25 million, which is a good number for a good backup. But if the Pittsburgh Penguins are looking to bring in a third guy, you would have to imagine DeSmith would not be on the roster. Is he somebody that you would trade or, or look to trade? 
Or is he somebody that you would just bury his contract in the AHL like they did in year one of this deal when they had both Jari and Murray? Um, I would assume we try and trade him because there are teams out there that are going to need a backup, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to. I don't think he's the guy you trade to bring in another backup, though, because that's no. where it's uneven. So you'd have to make multiple deals to really ship him off and get back who you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a hard one. But with DeSmith being involved in it, I'd say if it'd be better to trade him than to lose him for nothing, I think. He's been at least semi, semi-solid for us it's at points. Um, and he's proven he's worth um, being a good backup in this league. It's... And depending on how everything looks this summer for NHL teams, he could find a home somewhere. He could find a home somewhere. It's It wouldn't be long-term, that's for sure. I mean, he's about to turn 30, and as a backup goalie, 30's not a good set. You're not, you know, your, your tenure isn't too much longer, really, especially if you're a coasting as a backup. I mean, lately in the NHL, we have seen some older backup goaltenders be able to find success. Jake Allen comes to mind, even though he's not that old. But more specifically, a Yaroslav Halak, uh, Anton Hudobin last year was a fantastic story. I mean, these guys can still play. And Casey DeSmith, to me, is, and he showed it last year, he's the ideal backup goaltender. The perpetual question that's always going to be asked is, if Casey DeSmith was healthy, which he was nowhere close to healthy. We just found out he had off-season surgery. So if Casey DeSmith was healthy, would he have been put in in favor of Tristan Jari instead of, you know, instead of having legacy at that position? Who knows? But, I mean, look at his numbers this year. He was 11-7-0 in 20 games. I believe he played 20 games or 21 games. He had a 2.54 goals allowed average, a 9-12 save percentage, and a 0.15 goals saved above average. That's really good numbers for a backup goaltender in the NHL. That's that's what you're going to want. And he was able to take 20 games, which just under half, probably closer to 40% of the games for Tristan Jari this year. That's exactly what you want. And there were times where he had to take over the starter position, basically, and start a couple games in a row because of Jari's woes. So I don't hate Casey DeSmith in that position. I will ask the question a little bit later is, if you're comfortable with this goaltending tandem. But the question to me is, if you want to bring in that experience back, of which they've they've expressed interest in doing, and by they I mean Ron Hextall and Brian Burke, you're not going to trade this guy. You already showed that you want somebody better than Legacy in that third position. It's great to have a guy. DeSmith would be a fantastic, probably one of the best third goaltenders in the league, if that's where you have him. But we also saw that he wasn't too happy to be relegated to, to Wilkes-Barre a couple of years ago. And will he be happy to be relegated again after proving himself to be a worthy backup? I don't know. He has one year left on his deal. I don't think you I, I don't think you trade it simply because you see what happens if a goaltender gets hurt. Plus, the trade market for goalies this summer is going to be very, very dry because of how many free agents there are. Free agents that could be backups as well backups or 1B starters. So I don't think there's a trade for Casey Smith. I think it would be kind of futile to trade him in the first place. So yeah, he'll probably be back, especially coming off of surgery. He'll probably be back. But if they end up doing what they're saying they're going to do, he'll probably be starting next year in Wilkes-Barre. And I don't mind that. Sure, he might mind it, but uh, hey man, it's a business. And yeah. if, uh, 
If what's best for business is you getting moved down, you're getting moved down. Okay? Sorry. And it's not even his fault. It, it's it's kind of... Not that there's fault to be placed, but the reason that he would be there would not be because of his play. It would be because of the play of the guy in front of him in the playoffs. Which is even more annoying and frustrating for him. Because it's... He did everything he could and got hurt. And then he's going to have to get punished for it because of somebody else's play. Which is frustrating in its own right. And we don't know that that's going to happen. But it's something that I could definitely see as one of the kind of premier possibilities. Especially if they go out on whenever the beginning of free agency is and bring in somebody else. Yeah, and I like the idea of bringing in somebody else in free agency. And like I said, it's uh, it's a business. It sucks. I, I don't want to put them down either. But if that's what you have to do, that's what you have to do. Uh, the taxi squad won't be there to save you. But no. that's also kind of why I would like to also lean toward if we're going to send him down. And I mean, at that in that situation, yeah, he's there. He's your third string guy if someone gets hurt. But I mean, you got to bolt him through waivers every now and again then, don't you? That's true. But also, at the same time, if you have two other guys ahead of him, he's gone through waivers before. He probably shouldn't have. <laughs> Some teams could use a guy like him, but regardless, I just, um, I'd assume some, with the waiver wire being as active as it was last year, and how certain teams kind of fell apart on certain things, I would assume maybe the waiver wire this upcoming year has got a couple more big name sa- signings from it. Mm-hmm. Just because that's, yes, it'll be the. It'll be back to normal. It won't be the same situation, but still, there's still names that get dropped on waivers every now and again, so maybe something pops from it. But he's not a guy that you can put through multiple times and he'd make it, though. Yeah, I'm not sure he would go through multiple times. It would all, of course, depend on the health of the two guys ahead of him, if there is indeed two guys ahead of him. But, you know, I don't... I don't cherish the idea of having DeSmith have to play in, in the AHL, but you definitely would be in a better position. And, and here's the thing also. If the Penguins weren't in a position where they wanted to win a Stanley Cup for the older guys and, and Crosby, Malk, and Latang, and, and if there wasn't kind of a, a running clock on it, I would not be looking for another goaltender right now. I would say, listen, we have time to figure out. Jari is not young, but he's not old either. He has time to figure it out. He only had one year as a starter, and Casey DeSmith is a capable backup. Let Jari try to figure his stuff out while you have a team that's growing. But here's the thing. This team is not growing. It's growing old, and it's running out of time, and that's why you need to do something a little bit more drastic, which is where bringing in that experienced backup to spell DeSmith and send him down to the AHL and to help Jari out, that's where that comes into play. Yeah, and I just have the upcoming free agent goalies in front of me because I'm just curious. And I have so that I have all of them in front of me. Yeah. Uh, you know who's about to lose not one but two backup goalies and could probably use one in a trade? The Tampa Bay Lightning. Hey, they need they need to shed cap space as well. Maybe we could take a good player from them while we're at it. Now I'm just working mm-hmm. out trades in my head that are just not going to happen, but they're fun <laughs> to toy with. And if we're going to lose to Smith, I'd rather mm-hmm. trade him than put him in the minors. That's just me. Mm-hmm. maybe find a good third maybe sign a good third string backup who can start in the minors and you have the faith in to bring up maybe someone who's above legacy and then below um the smith this all of course though depends on 
you know, an unnamed veteran goalie <laughs> being signed. Yeah, I, I like I said, last thing on it, I just don't see a market for a guy like Casey to Smith right now. I don't see really a market for any trades, to be completely honest, in the, in the backup goaltender position. I definitely don't think anything you'd get back is worth right. losing a guy like Casey to Smith to have in your arsenal. But let's talk about Tristan Jari before we have some fun with hypotheticals and Tuka Rask and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about Tristan Jari, who has two years left on his $3.5 million per contract. Last year, of course, being the first year of that deal, his first year as a starter for the Pittsburgh Penguins, like the guy, and he went 25-9-3, which is a really good record on its face. 2.75 goals allowed average, a 9.09 save percentage, which is also not bad on its face. When you look at the inconsistencies, though, the way he played at the beginning of the season, some of the stretches he had in the middle of the season, and then we'll get to the playoffs, his numbers overall weren't awful. In the regular season, you also look at negative uh, 2.72 goals saved above average, a lot lower than it was the year prior where he was an NHL all-star. But again, something that you can contribute to a slow start, a shortened season, and a goaltender who is dealing with being the guy for the first time ever. But then you look at the playoffs, and that's when it starts to get unacceptable. 3.18 goals allowed average, not good. 8.88 save percentage, really not good. Negative 5.70 goals saved above average. Not only the worst in this year's playoffs, but the worst in the playoffs for any team, any goaltender, for the past seven postseasons. That is how poor Tristan Jari was. It, It was a really bad performance by a guy who was getting his first playoff series as a starter. So, as we mentioned, this is his first year as the main guy since Matt Murray was traded last offseason. How do you feel about him going forward after all of this? I'm so locked in on our team at all times that it's very rare that you'll find me saying I want someone gone, but I'm confident in Jari. I still am. I don't know what it is. I know I scared you there, didn't I? (laughs) Heart palpitations. Wow. Um, but no, I'm, I prefaced it like that because I've heard because we've heard so much discussion this season or this off season so far of just how do we trade out Jari to bring in someone else? We had the discussion earlier in the season of how do we trade out Jari to get in John Gibson? We've been having this discussion and it's lasted a lot longer than we expected to. Yeah, it died off whenever he was playing well, but it sprouted again. It came back whenever almost immediately after that ugly pass in game five it almost it seemed once they scored in game five that we just knew there was no turning back that was it uh there was confidence in game six sure but that was it and the one question i have for you and for everyone because i'm really curious does that does the playoffs really tarnish how good let's be real how good he played this season yeah it was inconsistent but you look at the numbers and you figure that's not horrible. It's better than the inconsistent slop we had from Murray the last two seasons. It's, again, it's not ideal, but it is a step in the right direction. Yeah, we are in win-now mode. And sure, Jari should have been the win-now goalie, but he can be. Hopefully this is just that one growing year. I don't know. I'm out here being blindly confident, but it's... And again, because I said at the beginning of the show, it's fun talking about goaltending because we can just say whatever, and if we're wrong, 
so be it. Yeah. It's goaltending. It's voodoo. So I have confidence in him for sure. He played better in the back half of the season. The playoffs may have tarnished a lot of it, but I think more or less, I still think he might be the number one guy next year anyway. So your question is, does it does the postseason tarnish what he did in the regular season? And to me, it, it doesn't. It's hard because sports, and this is a very cliche thing, it's basically the most cliche thing you can say about sports is the fact that it is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately mm-hmm. thing. Everything in any sport that's a main sport is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately. So especially when you look back emotionally at how good this team was and what happened in the playoffs – it's going to be hard to judge Tristan Jari's postseason and regular season of this year as two separate entities, but you have to. And when you look at it, the regular season, yes, he struggled at the beginning of it. Even his struggles at the beginning of it didn't look like what we saw in the postseason. So you have to imagine that a lot of that has to be attributed to the fact that, one, it seemed like he was also dealing with some sort of injury. Two, it's his first postseason experience. And three, he just had a bad six games. Not even a bad six games. He had two really bad games in games five and six. He had a pretty bad game in game one. But in game two and game three, wasn't awful. Game four wasn't really helped out much. So if you want to look at, you know, do you, if you want to ask, does the postseason tarnish what it do, does in the regular season? It doesn't. It, it doesn't. But when you're looking at it, emotionally, it's hard to separate the two. I understand why it's hard, and I understand why there's a lot of people calling for Jari to be taken out of the Penguins system, to be traded, to be cut, to be bought out, which, again, that'll never happen. There's been one buyout in the Lemieux era as an owner, and we all know who that was. But Tristan Jari is going to be one of the two goaltenders for the Pittsburgh Penguins next year. The question is just going to be, do they find that experience backup that they're they're asking for, or is Casey DeSmith the guy that comes back? So when I look at Jari's overall first year as a starter, am I you know, ecstatic about it? No, I'm not because there were a lot of issues. Am I happy with it though? Yes, because if we look at any other goaltender in any other system that doesn't have a core that is aging and a core that is trying to get that one last cup, if you look at that as a first year as a starter, that's a pretty good year. Any other any other system, if you saw somebody just go over to the Buffalo Sabres next year, put up 25, 9, and 3, 275 goals allowed, average 909 save percentage, you're going to look at them and say, wow, that is a great first season. That is something amazing to build off of. But because of the higher expectations of Pittsburgh, the higher expectations of a Crosby and Malkin era team, it, it doesn't seem good enough from the outset. But realistically, if you're judging it what – from what it was on its face, it, it was a pretty good season for Tristan Jari and a disappointing playoffs. And it sucks, but it, he's the guy coming back, and you got to ride with him. And trust me, both of us here are. You scared me for a second when I thought you were going to call for his head as well. But uh, no, we both are riding with him, and you can. I would expect his numbers to get better next season. So do you have his numbers in front of you? Which numbers are you looking for? Just the stat line of Jari. Uh, for this regular season? Yes. Yes. Read them off real quick. The record was 25, 9, and 3. Goals allowed average was 275. Save percentage was 909. Okay. Like, remember, and I think he had two shutouts. Yeah. Remember how I mentioned earlier that it's not 
the best, but it is a step in the right direction. Yes. I get Jari had a better season last year, but remember who our starter, who our starter, quote-unquote, was last year, was Matt Murray, who in 38 games, which I believe is only one less than what Jari played this year. Mm -hmm. Jari played 39. So essentially the same amount. 20 wins, 11 losses. Jari picks up a W in both of those categories. A... Matt Murray had a 2.87 goals against average. There's another W for Jari. And a .899 on the season yeah, so. of the save percentage. Everyone will remember that .899 because it sucked. Yeah. So, again, it's not the greatest. Oh, and only one shutout. Again, it's not the greatest step up, mm. but it is a step in the right direction. It was the way I described Cody Cece to people at the beginning of the year. It is a step in the right direction from Jack Johnson. Sure, it's mm. not better mar- much but it is marginally an increase again the only issue here is it's our starting goaltender and not our third line defenseman <laughs> so yeah the marginal increase is not great but it's something and it is why you gotta ride with your guys it's why yinzers need to pick up on you gotta ride with your players a one down season does not mean the end of their career it's, so we asked on social media. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, that, that's it. I was going to say it's hard, but you got to ride. So we asked on social media, any of our listeners and our followers there, are you confident in the Penn's current goaltending tandem? From what I'm hearing from you, Horwat, your answer is yes. I did mull over that question for a long while, but I did. But I am yes. Overall, yes. I'm I'm confident in this goaltending tandem going forward. Do I think it could be improved by bringing in an experienced backup? Yes. And I'll tell you exactly who in a couple minutes. But Penguins Twitter, at least the ones that follow us, uh, do not have the same opinion. On Twitter, 75% said no, they're not confident. And then on Instagram, let me pull it up really quickly because we also put it on our Instagram, 68% said no. So roughly 75% on both saying that they're not confident in the Pittsburgh Penguins goaltending tandem. And I am sure a lot of that is the what have you done for me lately. A lot of that is... Tristan Jari's 888 save percentage in the postseason and Casey DeSmith not being able to be healthy. But we'll have to see what happens because Hextall and Burke are looking for a, quote, experienced backup. Let's talk about some of the options there. The Two of the bigger names that came out were Tuka Rask and Freddie Anderson. I want to start with Tuka Rask because it is not... It, it's not going to happen. It, as nice as it would be to have a guy the caliber of Tuka Rask, you know, Jennings Trophy winner, uh, Vezina, multiple-time Vezina finalist, t- taking the Boston Bruins to the Stanley Cup a couple of years ago. He's an upcoming UFA, but he also suffered a torn labrum in the playoffs. So he's not going to return until January of 2022 anyway. And then with all of that considered, does he even want to play away from Boston? He's a guy that has said on multiple occasions – that he wants to play his whole career for the Boston Bruins. Now, I don't ask me why, because that fan base hates him. But to me, there's just too many variables. And also the fact that you are still paying Tristan Jari at $3.5 million. You don't really want to go out and pay a guy like Tuka Rask, who's probably going to cost at least more than well, that. He's currently making seven. So Yeah. The Tuka Rask thing is such an anomaly. Yeah, he wants to finish his career in Boston. I don't... When he loses a game, Bostonians don't want him to finish in Boston. But when he wins them a couple of playoff series, it's, hey, please retire and die in Boston. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think 
you put Tuka Rask in a different city, he's already a great goalie, right? You put him in a different town with a fan base that's going to be a little more consistently loyal to him. That That's not Pittsburgh. No, it's not. But you put, <laughs> you put him in a town that might actually support him, you know, the way he should be supported. He might – it's a little late for he's 34. He might explode into a real deal mm-hmm. top goaltender in the league. I get he's already kind of up there as a top goaltender, but the conversation always goes to – He's a bit of a head case. He's a little inconsistent. He's not always, you know, there in the game. You put him on a team that, you know, with a fan base that loves him and supports him no matter what, I mean, that's Vasilevsky levels, I feel like, just because it's that one more step up for him. Yeah, I'm not sure how much more Rask has in the tank when he's already at the age of 34. So if you're looking for a deal for him, it's probably going to be a year, maybe two years. I mean, who knows? He could retire this season, especially with the injury that he faced. Yeah. But I'm not exactly sure with Tuka Rask. Now, <laughs> you mentioned a, a fan base that'll support him through thick and thin. Penguins fans don't do that with goaltenders until they're gone, hence Marc-Andre Fleury's entire <laughs> career. But for Tuka Rask, I don't... I don't see him going anywhere. I think it's more likely that Yaroslav Halak would be the guy Pittsburgh goes after because he's also an unrestricted free agent. He's also up there in age at the age of 36, but he's proven that he's been able to be effective and play really well as a kind of pseudo 1B, sometimes spot starter for the Boston Bruins. And now that they have Swayman up there as well as Ladar, I don't think they're going to sign Yaroslav Halak back. The only reason I could see them doing that is because of the Tuka Rask injury. So we'll have to see what they do with that. There are some other goaltenders that I want to talk about. I know I mentioned Freddie Anderson. Horwat, both of us are two guys that, I mean, we pay attention to the Maple Leafs similar because of their similar proximity to the city of Pittsburgh and because we have mutual friends that also follow the team a whole hell of a lot. So what are your thoughts on Freddie Anderson? Because his name has come up a lot as a potential target for the Penguins. You know, I, I want to enjoy Freddie Anderson. I want to say that I would enjoy having him on my team. Keep Frederick Anderson as far away from Pittsburgh as possible. There, There is my hot take, honestly. I get it. He's a good goalie, but I don't know what it is. I just think Toronto cooked him. I, 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 it, maybe it's the fact they don't play defense. Maybe it's just that they can't win. I mean... I, di- I didn't go back and look at all of their series losses with him and that I would like to to kind of really get a feel of whose fault it was because, you know, as hockey fans, we like bl- placing fault on people. Um, could Frederick Anderson have, you know, been better and helped that team win a deciding game? I, I don't remember off the top. I feel like there was one or two he could have. So... I mean, if he's not clutch, dude. I mean, we already have a goalie that's <laughs> struggling to be a, to be clutch. So I don't. We don't need to bring in another one. And I get, yeah, it's to bring him in as a backup. Frederick Anderson's not going to be a backup in this league. A team's going to pay him big money to be a starter, whether it is the right move or not for that team. That's what they're going to go do, because that's probably what he takes himself as. Because let's be real, if he was fully healthy, um, all season. Yeah, Jack Campbell came in and played great. He probably would have taken the starting job from him um, going into the playoffs, but Frederick Anderson was not losing that starting job. 
it took Jack it took an injury and Jack Campbell going eleven straight without losing for Frederick Anderson to be sent to the Marlies to lose there. Yeah, no. Keep him far away from Pittsburgh. Someone will pay him big bucks, overpay him to uh, be a starter and not be that great. I'm off of the Freddie Anderson train, and that's my soapbox. Yeah, when you mentioned the fact that Toronto Maple Leafs really rode Freddie Anderson into the ground, Jack Campbell was brought in by Toronto last season. Oh, that's right. And the the problem with that is before that, Freddie Anderson didn't really have a backup. You had Curtis McElhaney, you had... Casimir Kaskiswo for Ooh. a short period of time, Garrett Sparks for a short period of time. But either way, no matter what the name was, they weren't playing too many games because in 2016-17, Freddie Anderson played 66 games. He played the same amount the next season. And then the following season after that, he also played 60 games. He did get a little bit of a spell in 2019-20 with 52, but that's mainly because the season ended early. That they, they cut the season short. So Freddie Anderson played a lot of hockey for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And yes, in the postseason, he wasn't really great. But if you look at his save percentages, 918, 918, 918, 917, 909 last season, they're really good numbers for Freddie Anderson. So as great as he's been, I still would kind of try to avoid him, mainly because the price tag is going to be very high for a guy like Freddie Anderson. And I also think coming off that injury, you don't know how he's going to respond. The guy has played a lot of hockey. He seems like he's he's might be a little broken down. And if he's not, that's great for whoever signs him. But I don't think the Penguins are in a position to take a take a risk on a guy like Freddie Anderson who's going to, one, cost the money towards the cap, and two, not be a definite on what he's going to bring you. I think there's plenty of other names that would be better options for the Penguins. Yeah, and, and my ideal here is, like like I said, I'm riding Tristan Jari into, this, into the next season here as the starter. I kind of I get a 1A, 1B situation is good. Mm-hmm. I kind of want it to be, if this even makes sense, I would like it to more or less be a 1A, 1C, where it's there's definitely not a fight, but hey. So a starter backup kind of role. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, the guy could be a starter, but he's not, because it's just he's not. He's a good goalie, but... Because DeSmith, I don't see as that, as that. You know, he's definitely just a backup mm-hmm. who can be good, but it's... You need the goalie who is good and could be a starter, but he just isn't. Is any of that, if any of that is making sense? Yeah, that's exactly what a, an experienced backup is. It's somebody that could probably still be a starter in this league, but you know what? He's a little bit older, so he's going to be a backup until he's called upon. You want to know who a perfect Hudobin. Oh, yeah, I was going to say. Halak. I mean, I, Hudobin's not available, but, you know, those are the type of names and, you know, archetypes of players. I got a perfect name who is going to be, who might be available, at least because. All free agency is still a mite right now. Mm-hmm. James Reimer. I have him down here on my list yeah, too, that's... mainly because him or Mrazek. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like Mrazek, with Mrazek being a little younger, it's more of a the Hurricanes might be a little more option toward him. I mean, who's going to cost more? Probably. That's probably the thing Mrazek. because there's. Their starter is going to be Alex Nedeljkovic. Oh, really? They, you think? He, he came... Oh, yeah. I would I would for sure bet on Alex Nedeljkovic. I mean, the guy is a Calder finalist this year. I ah, think he took correct. over that... I think he took over that position, and it's just a matter of who Carolina wants to bring back. Yeah, Reimer's a little bit older, but 
is going to be a little bit cheaper. So just gotta... whoever it is in between those two, I think is probably one of the leading candidates for the Penguins, in my opinion. You just got to hope Nadelkovich doesn't fall off the cliff. We've seen it a thousand times, ladies and gentlemen. We've seen it a thousand times. Great goalie comes in hot, signs the big deals, gets the starting job, and <laughs> over. Yeah, Carter Hart comes to mind, but also Carter Hart's too young to see. I Carter always... Hart, Mackenzie Blackwood, they're too young to really even goaltending's voodoo, and there's still time for them to just turn it back around. I always fall back on the Victor Fast, Andy Hammond ones. Fair enough. Those are the ones I always go to. But James Reimer I like because he is the older one. He's probably going to cost less between him and Mrazek. I get it'll be who's going to be the starter there. I think Carolina will be willing to pay Mrazek a little more to be the backup. And then, like I said, if it is a new Victor Fast situation with Nadelkovich, uh, you got your guy. You have Mrazek there. He's been there. He's now gotten a new contract. You've shown your faith in him. He's younger than Reimer. I think Carolina would be wiser to focus more on keeping Razik in the system rather than Reimer, let Reimer walk, because he is 33. Mm -hmm. And you have to be a very special goalie to continue uh, top-tier play past the age of 34, 35. Uh, and Reimer is clearly pushing that. And I think he could be a great, like I said, the 1A, 1C, where he slots in as the, yeah, he's the backup, but he's a good backup. He's a good goalie who can still be a starter, but is the backup here. Mm -hmm. I would love to see uh, – I think he'd be my top go-to for this veteran backup that we're looking for. You make that signing, you trade away to Smith somewhere to a team who needs it. I'm writing it all in my head right now as we speak. There's going to be plenty of names. If I look at the goaltending free agency market here on Cap Friendly, it's fun. there's 22 names that are all pretty decent options. Now, never mind, Ryan Miller's on this list. He obviously retired, but if I'm looking down on this list, you have Carter Hutton that played for Buffalo, Linus Allmark from also from Buffalo, Anders Nilsson from Tampa, uh, Jonathan Bernier from Detroit had a really good season, is an option. You have Reimer, as we mentioned, Mrazek, as we mentioned, Antti Ranta, Devin Dubnik. These are all guys that fit into that archetype of experienced backup that could be guys that Hextall and Burke give a call to. So who knows exactly who the Penguins are looking at, but I think as we both outlined, the two guys from Carolina are probably two guys that the Penguins are looking at. I know that in the news and in the rumor mill, Penguins were looking at Freddie Anderson. We both kind of said, please no. Uh, not that I would hate to see right. Freddie Anderson because I think he'd be fine, right. but I just don't think he's worth the money he's going he's gonna to cost. I think you go better with a Reimer or a Mrazek, whichever one Carolina doesn't want. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned some of the names. I mean, there's so many names of guys that are up this year. I mean, sure, uh, it's it's spanning. Like, yeah, you got some of the veteran guys, but I mean, for what it's worth, you you need that low third, that that third string, that low third string. I mean, you got Corey Schneider down there, Eric Comrie, who's young, who's young, who's very young. He's only 25. There are names that can easily fill these slots in this in this goaltending situation and hold down the fort until our two draft picks really come into play. Yeah, Callie Klang is somebody that you're going to need to and want to keep your eyes on. I don't know if he's going to make the jump to North America next year or if he's going to stay where he's at, but he's definitely somebody to keep an, keep an eye on. 
there for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll finish out the week with our shout-outs and call-outs. We'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure to use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great opportunities at great cash prizes. So Horwat, we're closing out the show with shoutouts and callouts. We will not have shoutouts and callouts next week because we have two pre-recorded evergreen episodes because of me going on vacation. So if you like these segments, we'll have them back in a couple of weeks, but I'll let you lead it off. Who are you shouting out this week? Cool. My shout out's a really fun one. Um, and maybe fun for the for a different reason. But I'm shouting out if I don't know if you saw this, but it was a story that half flew completely under my radar. Stephen Johns, an mm-hmm. Elwood City native, aka Pittsburgh native, um, recently retired, and I didn't realize that he retired. It was I guess one of those situations where it's a name you don't hear of very often, and you know, they don't get a contract off, and that's kind of it. Um, have you heard what he's doing yet? I have, yes. It, this is incredible. So for those of you that haven't, um, he recently retired. You know, he, was a Dal- he played for the Dallas Stars, who missed 22 months of hockey for... And this was before the pandemic even kicked in, so this is like before all that issue. Um, he had post-traumatic stress headaches and a battle of depression and suicidal thoughts. Mental health is something that's important to the both of us and should be to you as well. should be to everyone out there. Um, but, you know, I think the only way I can really put it is what he's doing is his he's rollerblading across America, which he did start yesterday. Mm-hmm. At least the day, is, the day of, that we're recording this, he started yesterday. Um, he started in Elwood City. And I'll just read his Instagram post to um, leave it to be said that way. Someone asked me the other day what I, what I like to do for fun, and I didn't give him an answer because I didn't have one. I'm writing this post because I'm tired of letting depression destroy my life. The realization that my career has come to an end has really fucked with my identity. What I'll miss most about the game of hockey is providing inspiration. So I've decided to roller, rollerblade and road trip across the country to hopefully help others facing their own battles i'll be documenting documenting along the way i believe it's the dallas stars photographer he's taking with him who does actually i looked through some of his stuff it's really good stuff um to share my full story because i know what it feels like to be alone for me i watched one video and it changed my life and made me want to do this crazy thing if i can still inspire one person to climb out of their hole then that's a successful trip and exactly what i'm aiming for I'll be following this story uh, really closely because that's, first of all, anyone rollerblading across the country is impressive. Mm-hmm. Second, he's doing it for a hell of a good reason, and um, I'm a little upset I didn't realize he retired. He retired? or I mean, it's just hard to know those kind of things when you're a player like that. I mean, again, retirement in the NHL is hard. It's either you're one of the top guys and you announce it and have your, you know, your going away tour, or you just didn't get a contract, and that was that. But for someone who fought through 22 months of shit like that, uh, this man deserves the attention and to be an inspiration still one way or the other. Yeah, I was very excited when I saw his post, the one that you just read from on Twitter. 
I'm also really excited to see what it looks like, mainly because road tripping across the United States is already something that is, as somebody who who did do it in a car, I didn't rollerblade on, right. <laughs> didn't do that, but I did it in a car. It's just such a fun and such a scenic experience, and I'm excited to see his experience and what he has to go through with the rollerblading and, and battling the weather, but I'm excited to see his journey. So I, I definitely agree that that is clearly worthy of a shout out if not worthy of the most highest regarded shout outs that we've ever done so definitely uh good luck to steven johns we'll all be paying attention especially here on the tip of the iceberg podcast my shout out this week goes to the new york rangers for a very smart move hiring gerard gallant as their new head coach they had fired david quinn only a couple of weeks ago a team that is on the rise very young very entertaining and very skilled team are the New York Rangers. So hiring Gerard Gallant was, to me, a really brilliant move on their part. He had just won the World Championships as the head coach <laughs> of Team Canada. So clearly, he still has the winning formula. His last job in the NHL was head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights, straight out of expansion. Took them to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2018. Took them to a couple other really good regular seasons before being unceremoniously dumped by the Vegas Golden Knights in favor of Pete DeBoer. So it, it was kind of crazy that Vegas fired him in the first place, and he took some time for himself. And now he's going to be head coaching one of the most exciting young teams in the league. And you have to think this is another step forward for an organization that has already had one of the shortest rebuilds in NHL history. Yeah, and it's a good position for him. I mean, if he was able to take Vegas, who you know, really proved to be a high-flying team that year. Yeah, big and brutish, but at the same time, able to keep up the speed game. He's a guy that can coach that, and that's exactly what New York is probably going to be geared toward next season. Um, flying up and down the ice and just boat racing teams, because that's what they do. I said it a thousand times. They are a team that are prone to just popping off for nine goals in a game. <laughs> so, maybe we see that a little more often, because they're going to have a good coach behind them. Not that I forget who they even had before now. David Quinn. David Quinn. Not that David Quinn was bad, but, I mean, that whole saga just uh, destroyed that organization somehow. Yep. So, maybe a little stability in, a little stability in there will be nice. I like the signing as well. Um, it's. I will say every time a coach gets signed, I do think about, I think it was like a tweet or a quote that was just like, yeah, the NHL just passing around the same 35 guys to coach their teams. Yeah, it would be nice to see some new blood eventually, but for, for now, for what it's worth, that's a good spot. Let's move over to call-outs, and I want to go first on this one because I think it's fun. I'm calling out the Penguins' front office and whoever it was in the front office that leaked that they had any interest in forward Zach Cassie. <laughs> I know Brian Burke is a guy that likes size, but that ain't it, Chief. Like, let's not even joke about bringing in a guy like Zach Cassian because that is it. It'll be Ryan Reeves 2.0. Mike Sullivan won't use him. Mm -hmm. It'll be a waste of money, and we'll have to trade a first-round pick or something to get him off the roster. Let's just not bring in Zach Cassian. Okay, was that, like, from a confirmed source from the organization, though? I'm not sure, but whoever started the rumor, whether that's somebody in the Penn's front office or whether that's some kid sitting at his computer, whoever typed that up first and got anybody to have traction with it, I'm calling you Exactly, because I always see posts like that float around on Twitter, and they just look like these Instagram screenshots of, like, 
I don't even know the fake Instagram account. So like NHL dot news dot my fake yeah. account dot bullshit. Don't me. You know what I mean? That's kind of like I yeah. see those posts all the time, and not that they're not you know helpful to <clears throat> get information out, but I always feel like if though if that is the first place something is coming from, you really gotta verify what the hell is going on. It's like that Matt Murray quote that came out. Yeah. Like, clearly he didn't say that, but some account, some my NHL dot whatever nonsense had it first, right? Or, like, is that what it came from? It's just mm-hmm. one of those just some kid like me who just has an Instagram account just went, I'm going to make up some nonsense because I'm bored. Ba 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 send. Yeah. And and it could have happened. We don't know. We didn't. It's not verified. So, to us, it doesn't necessarily matter. And for this Zach Cassian thing, it's a rumor, and rumors are all pretty much not verified for the most part, unless they're coming from Elliot Friedman or Bob McKenzie or Darren Dreger or somebody like that. Always but check your sources. The sad thing is Zach Cassian to the Penguins is something that is all too – it makes all too much sense. <laughs> and that's the, that's the reason that it kind of irritated me that I don't want to see it because it, it would make so much sense yet still be the wrong move for the Penguins. So I'm hoping that they don't do it. But, yeah, that, that frustrated me a little bit, seeing that, hoping that it was never going to actually come to pass. Oh, he has three years left on his deal? No thanks. If it was, like, one year, I'd be like, yeah, it makes a lot of sense that that, that rumor would be fake and made up and kind of shot out into the ether with maybe some sort of semblance. But with three years left? My God. what? 3-2 isn't horrible, but he does nothing. He's also 30. Never mind. 3-2 is too much. Yeah. Good Lord. Um. Yeah. So, Horop, what is your your call out for this week? Oh, man, you thought yours was fun. I'm straight up calling out the NHL broadcasters because they are the ones that vote on the Jack Adams Award. And for the Uh. second year in a row, granted this last year, whatever, this year, definitely, uh, they snubbed Mike Sullivan again. Uh, Okay, so what is this award usually? The, your team wasn't supposed to be good, but they were. Right? That's usually what this award is? Yes. Okay. Uh, Rod Brindamore. The Hurricanes were supposed to be a world eater. And they were. (laughs) Okay, cool. Um, Where did a lot of people have the Penguins this year? Out of the playoffs. Hmm. In the hardest division in the league, correct? Yep. Where did the Penguins finish? Checks notes first. Oh, so the team that wasn't supposed to be good was good. Oh, wait. Along the lines, they also... Had a general manager quit, were, had injuries up and down the lineup. Uh, COVID-19 season, got, that one's got to be in there, but that goes for everyone. Uh, what else? New coaching staff as well. Okay, mark that down. Uh, yeah, no, the team wasn't supposed to be good. Went through hell and back and still won the division. And that's not including the whole how good of a coach he is just in general. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that these voters are keeping the Penguins out on purpose. I'm just saying... This one's nonsense. I think this was his year to at least be nominated. Um, especially if you consider the your team wasn't supposed to be good award uh, because no one had the Penguins winning the division, let alone... Hell, a lot of people didn't have them making the playoffs, let alone winning the division. There it is. And who are the other nominees? I already said Rod the Bod, who, yeah, no, your team was good. You shouldn't be nominated. No offense. You're a great coach. I would say um, the other two guys definitely deserving. deserve to be in it. It's mm-hmm. Dean Evason from the Minnesota yes. Wild and Joel Quenville from the Florida Panthers. Yes, those two definitely deserve it. And again, 
Rod Brindamore, phenomenal coach. I'm not going to say he's not. And it's hard to say he'd be the one you take out to put Mike Sullivan in, but he is the guy I would take out to put Mike Sullivan in, and now I can't wait for Rod Brindamore to win the damn award, and I get really mad on the internet. Uh, but for now, I just need to know, I need to see the, the standings of it when it's all said and done, because if he is anywhere below fourth, uh, I will raise hell once again. But I feel like I had another note to make on it, but I don't remember now. Uh, either way, sure, you didn't have to give it to him. You didn't have to put him up last year. It's fine, whatever. Uh, but this year, he damn well deserved it, and I think a lot of people can agree with me, at least I hope. Yeah, when you look at those three, I would definitely say Dean Evason is probably the guy that's going to win it, or at least I would I would vote for Dean Evason, looking at the roster he had and the team that he built, the fact that they almost took out the Vegas Golden Knights in the playoffs. I know the playoffs should, aren't you know, considered in this, but that's the team that he put together and that's the way they played throughout the entire season. So I would go with Dean Everson personally. Coach Q is what Coach Q mm-hmm. is. He, he is a Hall of Fame coach and he's done a great job in just, what, two seasons in Florida? I get that. And as much as I like to agree with you and I thought Mike Sullivan had a, had a case to be made this year, the NHL, all of its writers, all of its players, all of its other coaches... Everybody loves Rod Brindamore. I, you know, I did. everybody, especially because of what he's doing right now, in trying to secure payment and secure salary for his assistants before he signs his. Everybody loves Rod Brindamore. So that's kind of that. That to me is why he got that because he is one of the most beloved figures in the NHL. And as much as it stinks and as much as it feels like, yeah. Sullivan got snubbed. At least it's not Bruce Cassidy getting into the finals this year so you, like he was last year. You said the note that I forgot about, that Brenda Moore was putting up that fight to get his son. That has nothing to – that's great. It's great that he's doing that. It has nothing to do with the on-ice play, and that's what we're, that's what we're voting on here. That's all Yes, I'm but saying. it's never what it's all voted on. It's sh- Everybody always takes everything into account even when it's not supposed to But they to don't matter. take the playoffs into account. Yeah, I'm looking at you, well. Tampa Bay and Edmonton and Toronto. I'm leaving it at that. End the episode. Well, I guess that's going to do it on Horowitz Demands. That's (laughs) going to do it for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed all of our goalie talk. Like we mentioned earlier, next week's episodes, our evergreen episodes, will be diving back into Penguins history of the early 2010s. But for now, for Nick Berlansky and for Nick Horowitz, we say have a good weekend. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good one, Penn Stanley. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.